what do you get when you mix Tesla coils, magic, and a pig that just loves physics? You get a good reason to watch movies after work. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alex Duez. I'm Thomas Green. And this is Movies After Work. It is. It's a little and bit of a change up. I, I'm, I'm introing the show now. You are. You you uh, you got to do an intro for the first time in a while, which is fantastic. The, the um, inmates running the asylum now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, that's just sounding too true. Um, <laughs> I would like to. I would like to. I think it is very important, though, that, to point out right now, though, that if you count the legal votes, people still don't know who we are. <laughs> We're waiting for all the absentee ballots to be uh, to be counted. Most most of them do, though, say the fuck are these guys and then and then there's like and then there's like five for kanye I... <laughs> you beat me to it you beat me to it um obviously we're trying to make light of the situation currently um i don't know how how you're faring tom but my election anxiety is is pretty much through the roof right now um we're we're recording this uh, Thursday night, very late Thursday night. Um, we should maybe have a better idea of who will be the president elect uh, by tomorrow, tomorrow evening. Um, but we we don't know. Yeah. Um, so we're in the dark. I want um, <laughs> I for for me, I just like I'm kind of going about my life one because I'm incredibly exhausted. I worked two, I worked two days in a row where I worked six to two. And then the next day I worked 10 PM to 6 AM. Uh, so I'm relatively like, again, we're recording this late for the rest of you. For me, (laughs) I'm trying to get my body into the position of thinking that it's like, early afternoon, like it's almost lunchtime. Yeah. That's, that's where I am. And, and for, for anyone who is curious, um, yeah, that we are recording late on Thursday night. Uh, so yeah, very, very often, um, when you guys see, uh, see me post the new episode is up we probably got off of the the call with each other recording where we recorded the episode about five, 10 minutes before I put that tweet out. Yeah. Uh, cause yeah, we, we re- I mean, when, when we call the show unedited or raw or live ask, we mean it. Um, <laughs> if, for better or for worse. <laughs> yes. If there are, if there are ways to edit on, on anchor, we don't know them. So we don't use them. <laughs> we, In fairness, I've done little to no research. I don't know about your, <laughs> your I, experience with when, it. But. When we started, I stared at it for a little while. At the time, I didn't have a computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't notice anything on the app. I, I've never really looked at the, the website. So who knows? Um, yeah. This is like the worst ad for Anchor ever. <laughs> Anchor, where you can make a podcast, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) No, but um, I I think it's, you know, for the most part, you know, this is kind of a peek behind the curtain. Um, 
but more often than not, I think it bodes well for us because it's a pretty genuine, authentic um, reaction about how we felt about what we watched. Um, I know a lot of the times, you know, I will have just finished watching a movie and my thoughts on it will be pretty fresh and then we're posting it within, you know, within an hour or so. Yeah, so. Uh, that would, that, and that was me tonight with, uh, with uh, tonight's movie. With, with this episode's movie, as I, I finished watching it an uh, hour ago, hour, well, hour and a half-ish ago. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I finished the movie, you, you know, we confirmed when we were going to record, and then I went downstairs and finished doing dishes. Because I'm exciting. <laughs> Well, that's all, all you really can do right now. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I wanna, I wanna first thank you for, uh, you know, giving me something to watch to distract me for <laughs> roughly two hours, and then um, us being able to record. Because again, I'd be doing nothing but refreshing pages and waiting for numbers to change that aren't going to change until hopefully sometime tomorrow. So yeah, um, I. But it, I I don't know. I just I haven't been able to bring myself to 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 watch it that closely. Um, it's probably better for your mental health. I've, in all honesty, <laughs> well, my mental health is shot to begin with. But um, <laughs> yeah, just for whatever reason, I due to whether it's exhaustion or just a, a willingness to accept powers beyond my control. Um, yeah. I just, you know, I've I've done other things. I've yeah. I've enter- tried to entertain myself in other ways, just in a general sense of wanting to keep myself entertained and busy. Um, yeah, which led to watching tonight's movie. Which <laughs> uh, Alex, why don't you tell the people about it? Uh, tonight's movie is The Sorcerer's Apprentice, a 2010 film starring. Nick Cage and Jay Baruchel and uh, Alfred Molina, um, produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. This is one of, I mean, other than the MCU movies that we've discussed, this is one of only a couple films that are on Disney Plus. So you actually had the chance to to watch it. You didn't have to re up a Netflix subscription or anything yeah. <laughs> to get a hold of this one. <laughs> but um, we decided to talk about this movie because it's. Fairly a fairly new addition to Disney Plus, although it is an older film. Um, but I have been telling Tom for what feels like a while now. This is a huge guilty pleasure movie for me, mm-hmm. and it's not a guilty pleasure movie because I think the movie is bad. It's a guilty pleasure movie for me because I enjoy it much more than I know. It's good. <laughs> like, I think it is an enjoyable movie, but the fact that I have a smile or a laugh plastered on my face for nearly the entirety of this film is why I just, you know, I, I see it as sort of a guilty pleasure. Um, but I'm, I'm really interested to, to hear what your, what your take on the film is. Well, I, I can't imagine uh, anyone viewing this movie as anything more positive than a guilty pleasure movie. Um, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, it's... 
I mean, first of all, this movie, this this movie, while it doesn't credit that way, this movie is essentially Nick Cage going up to some, you know, one of the producers during National Treasure and mm-hmm. telling them about how much he wants to play a wizard. Yeah. <laughs> and it leading to this. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the fact that that is our progression into this... <laughs> And I gotta tell you, it feels like it. Um, now, let me let me explain this because this is gonna sound harsh at first, but this okay. movie very much lives in the same realm as Mission Impossible Two. Okay. And I what say is, yeah, I say that in the sense I say that in the sense that both movies seem like they were somebody wrote down a list of things that they thought would be cool. And then somebody had to create a script based off of including all of those things. Mm. Gotcha. Like, <laughs> you know, someone was like, oh man, I love Nightmare Before Christmas. I love Oogie Boogie. Can we have somebody who's made of bugs in this movie? <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll, I'll write that. We need a dragon. Oh, yeah, sure, that makes perfect. Can we get a metal bull? <laughs> Were you at Saddle Ranch last night? Like, is that why that came apart? Yeah, I was. Okay, well, yeah, fine. We'll fucking include that, too. <laughs> is, is is there anything else that you, that you want? Um, yeah, do, do we have a, uh, do we have a girl that's kind of like if you took Megan Fox, dyed her hair blonde, and then hit her in the back of the head with a frying pan? We have one of those. We can include her. <laughs> You said this is gonna this is gonna sound harsh, but I'm gonna explain myself, and then it never got less harsh. It just got more harsh. I'm not saying any of these things are bad. I'm just saying I'm just saying that it's very much in the same way that John Woo basically wrote down. You know, he wanted a motorcycle chase, which is the whole reason why magically we have motorcycles during the final sequence in Mission Impossible 2 because he just wanted motorcycles he wanted a motorcycle (laughs) chase somewhere in the movie and that was where they finally figured out how to write one into it Um, he wrote down a list of that kind of stuff and this that's what this felt like to me it felt like they they had a list of of ideas you know gigantic metal griffin um, that's made from the you know the Totally free the architecture of a, of a tall building. Awesome idea, pretty coolly executed in this movie. Um, but yeah, if you told me that it was on the list of things that the movie had to include before it was written, I would believe you. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, quite frankly, it comes down to how much I love Jay Baruchel and how much I love Nick, uh, Nick Cage. Um, I, cause I feel like Nick Cage is, he doesn't have a lot of moments of, he's able to play the slow talking, soft spoken weirdo and the loud eccentric weirdo. Um, we kind of get the best of both worlds. I mean, we don't get the loud one quite as often. Um, we get it. We get it for like half a second at the end, and I thought we were really gonna get it at that point, 
and I was kind of, I was weirdly excited because it was also a fun idea for, for where the plot could go. Uh, um, at what point? Uh, when he gets possessed. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the point when he gets possessed, I legitimately thought, oh, we're getting modern cage. Yeah. Oh, this is, boy. This is what we wrote the whole movie for. <laughs> this is, this, this is, is the moment. <laughs> this is why people are, are here. Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> this is going to be... Oh, it's over. <laughs> um, no, for me, it's just a lot of... It's just a lot of... Uh, actors that I like um, d- doing a serviceable job um, but I don't know I just have a lot of fun with this movie this is this is one of those movies that if it's on you know if I was to have cable like if it was on I wouldn't I wouldn't ch- feel compelled to change the channel I'd be like alright whatever point I am jumping into this we're, we're gonna watch it through like it, whether or not I'm fully engaged in it or it's just on in the background um it's one that I that I just enjoy. This no, this is a fun movie. There is no question, um, and, and a big part of that is the fact that that Jay is just the man. Yeah. Um, I have endless praise for him in my notes, including just wondering how in the world he isn't the Flash in the DC f- universe. Yeah, yeah. Because um, at least then. You still get all that nervous, awkward energy without making me feel like he's going to commit a sex crime. Because <laughs> I'm never not going to choke a woman in a, in a bar. I'm never not going to feel like we're about to witness a sex crime from Ezra Miller. Yeah. And that's, and that's saying that without thinking about the fact that we have video of him cold cocking a woman. Yeah. Um, but he, like, he makes he makes this movie as fun as it is. Yeah. Because, you know, you've got Nick Cage, you've got Alfred Molina, you've got the two of them, and they are both naturally good banterers. Mm-hmm. They say anything you want about Nick Cage. If you give him just banter dialogue, and he's there for more than a paycheck, he is going to give you some great material. Yeah. Um, and that, and that was what happened here. I mean, honestly, my favorite, like, I, I know, um, I know your favorite line, uh, that's why you included it in our opening, <laughs> but I loved the whole bit about the Napoleon report. Oh yeah. Of being like, you know, I had to read your, just, I had to read your report for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and just come, like, come yeah, table. I was nine. <laughs> yeah. Um. I I just think so so much of, of the film is like. First off, it does not adhere to any rules. It may it makes up rules constantly, and it's. But I don't think it's something that needs to. In, have these hard and fast rules. It's I, not what in what I I need you to specify because I know of a lot of ways that this movie does not follow rules. Um, 
I need to know, I, I need to hear you specify, because you're speaking of it on a positive note, and there are many ways that I don't. Oh. <laughs> I don't think it's a positive or negative. I just think it's, it's just a fact that this film doesn't, like, abide by any rules. Like, when, um, when they both simultaneously get sucked into the, into the urn, and then, for whatever reason, Horvath comes out first. Like, he only comes out first so that he can toss the urn out the window. Yeah. But I love that he tosses the urn, tosses the urn out the window. It, it, you know, I don't think that Nick Cage is going to die or anything. But there's, you know, there's a bit of tension. There's a bit of a laugh whenever the, um, he's like, "Am I the first one out?" And then the woman falls off, mm-hmm. you know, falls over, and he goes, "I take that as a yes." And then he tosses the urn out the window. Like, that's great. When he, when Alfred Molina, is trapped in the mirror and then can't seem to get himself out but he does the same trick to nick cage and jay baruchel but all they have to do is drive back through their reflection like there i mean there's so many things in this like a sorcerer has to wear his ring but balthazar can seem to just have a staff and he as he adds jewelry to it it becomes more powerful like Mm -hmm. none of these things necessarily make sense but I, I don't need them to 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 enjoy the film. I can agree with you to a point. Okay. <laughs> um, I agree with you until the point where we have the end credit scene where they clearly want us to think sequel. <laughs> and at that point, I'm just like, no. Yeah, you, I was hoping you watched it. I was gonna, I was gonna quiz you on the uh, after credit. Yes, scene. yes, I saw the after credit scene and. And I went, oh, that's cute. Yen Sid's hat is there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, for me, like, world building, as people are, I'm sure, sick of hearing me talk about on our show and on Twitter, uh, mm-hmm. is important to me. So I, I'm not as forgiving for the inconsistencies as, as you can be. Yeah. Um, I'm 100% unforgiving of the fact that they don't follow the rules of basic cinematography and editing, especially during action sequences. Um, which moment specifically? <laughs> uh, which one are you thinking of? That one. Uh... <laughs> I, it, it first became really prevalent when... All I wanted was, oh, like, even a medium-wide shot held, you know, that was held for more than half a second during the sword fight in the, in that opening fight in the antiques place. Yeah. Like, at that, when, when I couldn't even get them to stop moving the, moving and cutting the camera and keeping it too close to the action, mm-hmm. I was, I immediately knew I was going to be watching a movie where I was never going to get to enjoy the, the action. Yeah. And that, yeah, the, that um, bummed me out. What, what, what comes to mind for me is the car chase scene. Um, because you never, I mean, we understand for, for most, if not all, of the car chase that, that uh, Horvath and, and, and Drake, who's... His inclusion in the film is probably my least favorite part of the film. 
Um, but you can't, you, you know, you get the, um, you get the idea that they have the upper hand in, in this chase throughout the, you know, as they're racing down the streets of New York. Um, but when, again, when they, when they go through the mirror and they're in the, the mirror dimension or whatever, <coughs> they seem to be the only car in there. So mm-hmm. why there seems to be any danger at that point, I understand that they're trying to keep pace with, with Horvath, but when, um, why he's like, we need to drive through our own reflection. And, you know, he keeps, uh, Horvath keeps taking out the win- the, the window so they can't drive through it. Yeah. Like, okay, we'll lose him and then drive through a completely different reflection. And then when they go through the reflection and they do the camera change where, you know, one of them's in one seat and one of them in the other, and then they switch because they're back in the, you know, regular world. Um, I felt like that was strangely edited because it wasn't yeah. like they're in reverse and then they go through the mirror and then they're flipped to how they should be. It's like they go through the mirror, then they show them in reverse and then they show the flip. Yeah. Like I, you know, there, there was uh, moments like that. Like I said, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I understand the criticisms of the film. I can, I have criticisms of it myself. I can be critical of it. It's just, I, I do really enjoy this film. I can, <laughs> I, I can I can definitely explain the lack of other cars in the mirror world in this film. Mm-hmm. Budget. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just, oh, I don't just even that. need other cars. Like that that's that's fine. To, for, for me to get that they're the only car in there, but they they can see the other cars in the reflection, like it just it seemed crazy to me that they wouldn't just find another mirror to drive through, one that you know, he is not near and couldn't take out. Yeah. But it would also be fun, um, visually, Mm. if while they're in the mirror world, you know, they can run into the reflections of these cars, and as a result, like, if they hit a car in the mirror world, because the reflection is getting hit, suddenly the car is getting hit. Sort of that, that, deconstruction of physics that the, that the movie plays on. Um, it, it could have been fun. Um, yeah, it's, it's not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think if you made it today where they definitely would have been thinking sequel, you know, at least a trilogy, if not more. Yeah. We're like, you know, the first one's the Sorcerer's Apprentice. The second one is the Sorcerer's Blank. Third one is the Sorcerer's Blank. Like, you change, you take out Apprentice and you put in a different word for each sequel. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously that's what, you know, you go with that. Um, each movie is, is Jay getting more and more powerful. Uh, you probably... You know, you either, you probably, like, I don't know, I can imagine a whole trilogy, um, and some of the, like, cliche structure that would come with it, uh, but it, it would definitely involve more dedication to rule build, you know, world building and setting the rules in motion. Yeah. That, for sure. 
but also um, a villain that I actually think is a threat would yeah. be great. Because yeah. Molina falls for like every single trick. He <laughs> he he is very easily defeated constantly. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um I mean my favorite you know my favorite example of this is when um I think it's the first wizard they encounter that is not Horvath, when he's like hiding behind the the beaded curtain <laughs> and Balthazar oh, yeah. is just able to wrap it around his neck and arms and just completely disarm him. Yeah. It's like, you know, he, he doesn't pose a threat in a lot of, um, it's, there's so many examples of, there's one character by himself, the two, you know, opposing characters corner them. And then, you know, the, the other ally comes right in the nick of time. Like, yeah, Nick Cage does it when Jay Baruchel is confronted in the bathroom. Jay Baruchel does it whenever Nick Cage is confronted in the lab. Like, and that's there's there's two lines that really stick out to me that are my favorite lines. Um, one that I referenced in the beginning in our intro um, with Nick Cage, you know, telling Jay Baruchel he can't go into the streets because because uh, Horvath is more powerful than him, and he's like. Unless you want to turn, get turned into a pig that just loves physics, you got to stay off the streets. Like that is, that is one of the only times that he gets to be the loud, eccentric Nick Cage. Yeah. Um, and then Jay Baruchel, you know, as as Drake coming down the stairs to apologize to Balthazar, and he's like, "You're done, night." Like because it's a horrible accent. Like it doesn't even seem like. He was trying to imitate the other actor. Like, it's just like, uh, just just put on a hokey fucking English accent. Like, well, it'll, it'll be fine. Yeah. I, for, for me, my, because I also, like, I have the whole Napoleon exchange that I've already mentioned that I loved. I don't know why, but the Depeche Mode joke landed so hard for me, <laughs> like, in a good way. Oh yeah. I don't oh, know yeah. why, but that Depeche Mode joke was made and I just started laughing. Um <laughs> It's a good joke. It's it is it's a solid yeah. joke. It is it is solid. Um <laughs> This movie this movie does uh, you you talked about it a little bit before and I think we're gonna end up diving into it a little bit more now. This movie makes the the flaw that far too many movies make, which is having Toby Kebbell and wasting him. Mm. Uh, you know, whether it's this, Fantastic Four, Kong, Skull Island, the... Yeah. You know, and I, he's an amazing actor. Yeah. Absolutely amazing actor. You wouldn't know it from this film. <laughs> and, and that's not his fault. I just... I think... Um, and we, I feel like this is kind of what you were saying before, but this feel, this feels so much like a movie of its time. Like, mm. it feels so just wrapped up in post-National uh, Treasure. It feels like the height of the Jay Baruchel boom when we, when we were getting 
you know, and I love Jay Baruchel. He, he honestly, I, I love him in almost everything he's in. I think he's incredibly charismatic just as the, you know, the, the dorky endearing guy. Like mm-hmm. I love him, you know, he, he, she's just not that into you. Um, how to train your dragon. But like, it was during the boom of, of his, his early, very successful, uh, you know, couple years that he had there. Um, and then, you know, like the the song he played for her in the in the lab, like Secrets, like that is a song that I haven't heard since 2010. Like this, that's not a song that I hear outside of this film. Like so much of it just feels like it's it's a time capsule, um, like Drake's character um, or, or Toby Kebbell's character, Drake. Um, you know, he feels like just a parody of the Chris Angel mind freak or, um, David Blaine street magic. Like that's what they were riffing on. But that again, you know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, our discussion about Hercules. Like Hercules is one of my favorite animated Disney films of all time, but there's so much of it that's wrapped up in parody that, you know, once you get too far removed from the 1990s like that film is working less and less as years go on mm-hmm. um and this film uh, as well you know i don't i don't think it's even necessarily as good as hercules but um you know it's it's not going to work uh in a lot of ways that it uses parody or that or that it's seems too much of its of its era yeah um, yeah, the soundtrack for this movie dates the hell out of it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I strained my eyes rolling them when the middle came on at the beginning. <laughs> oh, come on. The middle's a good song, don't I mean? Yeah, tell but... yourself that. <laughs> tell yourself that all you want. I, I do, I do agree. It's, it, it is, you know, like I said, it's a, it's a time capsule. Definitely um, feels like a time capsule. But I just, the the biggest sin in this movie is going, hey, I've taught this thing how to play Stevie Wonder, so I'm going to have it play Band Nobody Will Remember instead. Yeah. Like, I think that the, the song that's clearly a plot, point, a plot device in this movie, mm. um, don't know the band, don't know the song, never heard heard of it heard it this in this movie and I've already forgotten the song all I know is don't need to hear it again yeah but you tell me you can figure out fun creative ways to play superstitious by Stevie Wonder yeah I want to hear that shit all fucking day <laughs> cuz that is one of the greatest songs that has ever existed yeah I mean there you know obviously they they chose a song that was popular at the time um, it wasn't about, you know, finding a song that was necessarily like timeless. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a cool idea. The, the Tesla coils make noise and that's how he, you know, gets closer to the, um, to his love interest. I know Becky was her name in the film. Sure. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, yeah, it felt like it could be anything else when, when, the, the song that you're making sounds like a 
fucking Motorola flip phone, like, mm-hmm. you know, pick something a little bit more iconic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to address something else that I'm, I'm very concerned about with this movie. Mm-hmm. What happens to the dog? They take the, dog, the, the dog's fine. They take the dog with them on the big rescue mission, and then the dog disappears magically. After we establish that well, for so some reason we've taken that, the dog with us, and then all yeah. of a sudden the next time the dog is gone. Like, I'm very worried about that dog. Could, that, could that we, was the second post-credit scene. Could we not have... Yeah, that should have been the post-credit scene, not that character who we only knocked out is still alive since we know we didn't kill him to begin with, so why, like, don't insult me. Um, Instead, assure me that the dog we've abandoned is okay. (laughs) Like, on that website that tells you if the dog dies in the movie, I kind of want to look up and see if they're like, the dog doesn't die, but he does mysteriously disappear, so whereabouts are unknown. Yeah. We've, we've Schrodinger'd this dog. <laughs> All right, we're going to rewrite the ending of this film, specifically the post credit scene. The post credit scene is the dog peeing on the hat in the street and then Alfred Molina coming over and picking it up. That way we, done, we know the dog's okay. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even need Molina to pick it up. I think you could... <laughs> But here's the thing, I think you can go cooler than that. Almost as, like, instead of, as a way, instead of focusing on the, did he survive? Which, to which the answer is, were you watching the movie? Um, (laughs) Instead, to focus on, like, a, you know, how did he sneak off? Because we saw his body less than five minutes prior. Yeah. Um, Like, literally, I was writing... They remember Molina exists, right? Uh, right at shortly after they they defeat uh, Morgana, and yeah. I um and you know, I saw him there, and then he disappeared. So what I think you do is you have the dog, you know, you have Tank show up, pisses on the hat, and as he walks away, you just see a single cockroach crawl out from under the hat and scuttle off. Oh, I like that. Yeah, so that we realized, like, oh, he turned into a bunch of cockroaches and escaped. Yeah, you're 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 gonna know you're gonna know because they're normal sized cockroaches, and you're in New York City, so you're gonna know those ones are him. <laughs> For um, before I forget about it, because I did I did note this. I you know it's not a big deal. I just thought it was kind of interesting. This film does to be, seem to be just a little risky. I mean, it's in very, very small doses, but I love the roommate character for Jay Baruchel when he gets out of, you know, when he gets up and, um, the roommate throws him some cookies or whatever. And he's like, we're getting drunk tonight. I'm like, wow, I think this is, I mean, other than maybe pirates of the Caribbean, like, this is maybe one of the only Disney movies where they explicitly are like, oh, no, people get drunk. Like, <laughs> they're, they're getting drunk. They're college kids, and they're going to get drunk. And then Jay, later in, the fil- in, later in the film, is like, yeah, 10-year-old me was way cooler than 20-year-old me. 
And I'm like, oh, so he's 20. So they're implying underage drinking, too. I'm like, this Disney's cool. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, Jay Baruchel doesn't look 20 in this film. Looks more like 23. I, you could have sold that to me. But, like, I mean, uh, but, okay, all right. I get- and then we see the roommate later cracking a, he has a glass of wine with a lady friend, as, as Jay calls him. I thought yeah. that was a little brave. <laughs> yeah, they they left in a little. T- <laughs> they, I think they, I think they, for for all the amount of times that they they do fast editing in this movie, I feel like they left in too much time when we cut mm. into the roommate with the girl because <laughs> they're just kind. <laughs> it's like they're playing a game of of. Of tongue chicken, yeah, <laughs> and they're both yeah, just not like, moving like anymore. Got... Like they're just kind of floating <laughs> at like a safe distance from each other. Like we're at we're at we're implying it, but I don't have to do it distance right now. Yeah, <laughs> just it's, waiting, it's, it's... just waiting for the sound cue so I can move <laughs> and don't have to be in this position anymore. It felt like they cut out a lot of. Are you nervous? Are you nervous? Like they were playing playing that game before Jay called. It it feels like right before. It fe- it feels like if they had left in one more second, we would have heard action. <laughs> but yeah, but no, yeah, the, the the movie to a certain extent is risky. But th- I mean, this movie is very much. It's risky, but I would, I would argue it's r- risky only because it's not something that already existed for Disney yeah. in the full sense. But it's still like it lived in a in a Venn diagram of did you like pirates? Did you like National Treasure? Do you like you know? Do you like when we take creative spins on uh, existing? Disney iconic things. Yeah. You know, it lived in kind of a Venn diagram of all of those things sitting there dead center. Yeah. And I think in that respect, the movie wasn't as risky as it could have been. Yeah. Uh, Especially, especially in 2010. Like if anything, the fact that it took Disney so long to participate in the, fantasy world it took them till 2010 to do it if anything that's the riskiest thing yeah they well i feel like at that point they were playing with pirates of the caribbean money so they were like well we can afford to like mess around a little bit um the the risk i meant you know specifically like this feels like this is rated pg and you could have told me it was rated PG thirteen, and I probably would have believed you. Like, because there's, um, there's at least moments that are pretty dark. Like, there's, um, I mean, when when Balthazar is in the street and that guy drives up to him and he's like, "Move out of the way! I gotta get in there!" And he's like, "Are you talking to me?" And then he just it like he straight up just kills that guy. <laughs> like, he sends two daggers or whatever through his windshield, oh, yeah. and he's he's dead. Um, totally forgot about that part. He, he kills little Abigail Williams. He kills, you know, Drake. I mean, these are all bad people, but yeah, 
talk talk about a weird progression of um, <laughs> when you're trying to suggest that like people get more and more evil. Mm-hmm. Like it's really just the order in which he captured these people, but we tried to make it seem like you know with each opening of the net with each new nesting doll, it was going to get a little worse. Yeah. Um, you're talking about like you've got. Alfred Molina, who's one step ahead of his character from Raiders of the Lost Ark in terms of threatening ability. Yeah. But in reality, they're both guys that are just trying to get their hands on something, will screw over anyone, and then fall for any trap that comes across, they come across. Um, And then, after that, you get the... uh, you get the the Chinese the the Chinese guy with the dragon, mm-hmm. who's pretty easily dispersed of once yeah. we've once we've run out of cool ideas for things for him to do. Yeah. Um, and honestly, he doesn't do anything cool. He stands in the middle of the street and he makes a dragon travel along his body. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's he well he throws some, he throws some acupuncture needles. Oh yeah, um, yeah. That at no point does Nick Cage feel the need to take out. <laughs> to the point, to the point, he gets so cocky. I'm pretty sure I still saw some of them sticking out when he was disguised as a cop. <laughs> um, that's that's one of my favorite bits when he's that, like when he approaches the other cops when he gets to do voices. And it's kind of like a wink and a nod to like. Yeah, cops are a little racist. <laughs> like when he's like, uh, "Between you and me, I think these guys are hitting the sake pretty hard." <laughs> and then Jay Parrishell's like, nah, it's "Actually, sake's Japanese." It yeah, I it literally at that point I was just like, "Oh, they're letting him do voices." Oh boy. <laughs> I was I was kind of bummed that we didn't call that back. It was just it was literally just. It was like it was an at Nick Cage's request thing. Yeah. Because you didn't need the cops to show up. So you did, like, it, serves, it services less than nothing. The power is not called back later in the movie. I literally think at some point Nick Cage was just like, Hey guys, I really think that we need to like do something involving New York police, you know, the, and just how they're like all up people's asses, you know? Can we... Can we include cops in the movie somewhere? In case you were wondering, that was Nick Cage doing his impression of Keanu Reeves doing his impression of me. <laughs> it was spot on. <laughs> I, um... <laughs> yeah, sorry, go ahead. I have a couple, couple different thoughts. Yeah, you go ahead. I'm lost. I, I lost myself in that bad accent. I, um... <laughs> I just, um, damn, I keep, I keep losing it. Um, oh, this, this film has a lot of, like, when I say it, it (laughs) doesn't have any rules. It's because they introduce these things that you don't know what characters can use them. What, Mm -hmm. like, is this a power that all wizards have? You know, why isn't this power used over, like, Okay, so Alfred Molina summons wolves. Like, that seems really useful. And then Bal- yeah. um, Balthazar turns them into uh, into puppies. Like, all 
all of this shit seems really cool. Yeah. He calls down. He calls down a metal eagle, you know, from a from a skyscraper. Uh, okay, let's use that some more often. Um, yeah. He, anyone who's watched this movie is not allowed to bitch about the eagles in Lord of the Rings. By the way. <laughs> I'm just putting that right out there right fucking now. Uh, oh, yeah. After after oh, that yeah. third act, like, oh, hi, Eagle. <laughs> like, yeah, like, he, he, we didn't imply or, or we didn't, we didn't establish that he was like a specter or a protector until just then. <laughs> um, you know, whenever he makes, uh, Sorry, whenever Balthazar makes Horvath, like, slow down as he's trying to cast a spell, he, like, you know, puts something over him that, that incapacitates him, basically. Like, that was really cool. Why isn't that revisited? Like, why can Drake completely change into, uh, you know, Jay Baruchel's character, and, but Balthazar and, and Jay only turn into cops, like... You know things like that, and then when he's describing, when when Jay Baruchel is, is describing to Becky, like all of the powers that he has, and he's like, you know, I can I can manipulate time, slow it down, speed it up. I'm like, Jay, we haven't seen you do that. We kind of saw yeah. Cage do that. <laughs> you haven't displayed any of those powers yet. Here's here's a lot of cool powers that I'll be able to do in upcoming films, as long as there are enough people in the audience right now. It's really what it boils down to. It's just like here's here is just a sneak peek at some of the fun that could be coming to a theater near you. <laughs> it also felt like Jay, you're you're a wizard. You don't have to oversell yourself. Like the shit you do is impressive enough. You don't have to say you can manipulate time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I have a I have a I have what I'm sure will be a very tough question for you. But I, I'm curious. Um, if you had to, who would you recast Nick Cage's part with? Oh. Shit. I feel like you're asking because you have someone in mind, so you go first and then I'll then get, come back to me. I only have someone in mind because I was looking after I thought of the question. Mm-hmm. Um... But I still thought I was like, regardless of whether I have an answer, if uh, my my honest thought was, if I don't have an answer, then we'll just work together. We're, we're gonna we'll make sit, people sit and listen to us as we try to reverse engineer our way to it. Okay. Um, but no, the the person I have in mind is Bill Nye. Oh, that's good. Um, I know I know the movie is trying to go for like the slightly, you know, not young, but like. You know, middle-aged guy who hasn't aged at all for forever, sort of thing. Yeah. But I think Bill Nye could do everything that Nick Cage was doing in the movie with so much fun and just the right presence to it mm-hmm. that I think it could work really well. Um, part of it, honestly, is that I have to look back at movies I've seen during like. 2010, 2011, like during that, like during those years, to go. Yeah. What movies even fucking came out then? <laughs> like I don't even know what movies exist. Like. Yeah. Um. 
mean, honestly, <laughs> this this is a, uh, a Jerry Bruckheimer film, so they're, you know, and this is post, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean and, and all that. Um, so, you know, there's a there's a alternative history where Johnny uh, Johnny Depp is playing Balthazar. And, and Nick Cage is Jack Sparrow. <laughs> oh, I wasn't flipping the two. I just was saying he's also this. <laughs> I, I, but honestly, I, I'd pay money to see that movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's, that's why I decided to take the dive, is because my brain literally, between you starting, like, making it to the, your point and it getting out of my mouth, my brain literally... My brain literally thought swapping the roles in Nick Cage's Jack Sparrow. Oh my fucking god, I need to see that. Say it out loud right now. Bam, out of my mouth. Stop blowing holes in my shit! <laughs> Mine wasn't any better than yours. <laughs> no, I'm just imagining it. Imagining, just imagining him with all that freaking eyeliner on. <laughs> It'd be good. It'd be good. I'd, it would, I'd, like I said, I'd pay money to see that. It would be fantastic. Not in any of the, not in positive ways, but it would be fantastic. It wouldn't be, you know, we wouldn't be flat out getting Wicker Man, Nick Cage. Yeah. But, um... But it would definitely be closer on the spectrum to there than a raising Arizona leaving Las Vegas Nick Cage. Yeah. Um, you see, I, I mean, it's like cliche to say, and, and also it is difficult, you know, trying to put myself in the headspace of 2010, who is popular, who would be... Um, you know, considered for a role like this, but there are so many aspects of this film. There's so many, um, just Nick Cage isms, you know, I, I really, I really adore the part where, uh, Jay yells down to him and he's like, are you, you know, clear my mind. Are you crazy? And Nick Cage just like holds up his, his forefinger and his thumb, like a mm-hmm. little bit, like, that is so Nick Cage. Like, that is so subtle. It's not overselling it. It's just, yeah, I'm a, like, I'm a little fucking crazy. <laughs> I, but at the same time, I can imagine Bill Nye doing that. Oh, yeah. And just, like, yeah. like with the, like, the closed, like, almost pursed lips and with, like, just a slight hint of a grin, his eyes squinting a little bit as he slowly raises up his hand to show it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I can see I can see him doing that, or just a little shrug. You can also still b- see Bill Nye just kind of, hmm, a little shrug, mm-hmm. and just moves on. Um, either or. I could take either or and be happy with it. Be fine with yeah. it. Um, yeah. Now... Here's here's my next question because I kept I'm thinking about this and I don't have an answer for this just so you know um, so you don't have to feel like there's pressure um, if they had gotten to where where do you go with a sequel? You see, that's 
Um, that's part of the challenge, I think, of this is because there's other there's other sort of witches and wizards or or magical um, fictional characters that we've used before or you know to use like someone like Abigail Williams um, you know from Salem like that's oh, sorry pause that's why I was that's why I was talking about earlier how we went from falls oh, yeah, for no, every, no, no. We, I, I, falls I, for <laughs> everything to I have a dragon <laughs> to little girl yeah <laughs> like tiny tiny little girl whose eyes glow yeah. But who immediately gets dis de- de- defeated by a guy who is two two nesting dolls up. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the whole concept of everyone's getting going to get more powerful as we continue to open this thing lost on me. Yeah, and honestly, if we had seen her be more sinister or, quite frankly, just do more, then I could have believed that. You know. Yeah. It, it, it could have been the, you know, they were trying to play upon that looks can be deceiving. You know, when she walks into the, um, into the radio station, like that's what she's, she's doing. She looks unassuming, but then you give her one opportunity to have the full, um, you know, sort of garb on and then have her eyes glow. And that's all we get. Like, I think I, I think we could just, have been creepy and, and scary and sinister. I honestly I think we just on the list was tie into moments in history, mm-hmm. and that was one of the that was an example on the list, and <laughs> so they just did that. I don't yeah. I don't think there was much thought past that point. Yeah. But okay, now that I remember that thought from from way back. Um, your thoughts on sequel go. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think you would have to pull some, some bullshit out of, out of, you know, out of here and say, well, there's a prime Merlinian. So now there's a prime Morganian and yep. that's, that's who Balthazar, uh, or sorry, that's who Horvath is after now. Um, because you have his two former allies, the two presumably most powerful Merlinians, other than Jay now, who is quickly becoming the most powerful one, um, if not already you know, established as such. So now I think you would have to sort of play the reverse and have it be, all right, now Alfred Molina is finding the prime Morganian and he or she is going to be the most powerful wizard or, or sorcerer um, there is. And she's going to be an even, you know, he or she is going to be an even bigger threat than Morgana. And um, that's kind of how you play into that. But again, you know, what does that mean for what does the end of that film look like? And what does a potential sequel to that look like? I mean, I think that's why, um, for, I don't know necessarily how well this did in the box office or what have you. Um, I don't think it was like gangbusters. Otherwise we might've seen a sequel, but 
I mean, I feel like this is a this is a fun enough sort of self contained movie. You know, they kind of have the wink and nod at the end with the post credit scene, but yeah. I mean, I don't even know how much they believe that necessarily. Well, 20, 2010 was during the era of it was it was almost common knowledge if you make two hundred thousand million in your opening weekend, you get a sequel. Um, the studio will automatically support it, and that's the bottom line. Uh, that's why there were. That's why basically, if I wasn't into a movie, I I wouldn't go see it in its opening weekend, just to not risk helping give it a sequel. Sorry, what was it? I was I was coughing. <laughs> oh, just ugh, to sequels for certain movies. Um, but yeah, 200,000 uh, 200, in the opening weekend would basically net you a guaranteed sequel during yeah. 2010. But, yeah. um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm checking the box office right now. So yeah, from what I'm looking at here, budget of 150 million, um, with, yeah, an opening weekend in the U S of 17.6 million and a gross in the USA of 63 million. Yeah. Um, it only, it made 215 million worldwide. So maybe after you add in the cost of, of ads and stuff like that, they might have made a little bit of money off of this, but realistically, they, they realistically probably lost not a ton of money, but enough to not justify doing another one. Yeah. Um, so. Um. Yeah, that's, I mean, for me, if you'd wanted to do a, if you wanted to do a sequel, first of all, you would have had to have let Morgana escape. Yeah. Because there's only one other magical, without creating a new character, which, given the fact that the whole concept is the descendant of, um... Merlin. We're talking about a descendant of Merlin. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not technically really straying that far from pre-existing characters. So the only other character I can think of that you would want to travel into the realm of is Rasputin. Mm, gotcha. Um, and, like, and I could totally see, like, it's... Not like it hadn't been done before with, like, Mummy Returns. But I could see, like, he thinks the electricity thing, because it just worked on Molina, it's gonna work on her. But instead, she puts herself into the current of the electricity and escapes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he has to kind of acknowledge the fact that he's still not as powerful as he thinks he is, even if he can um, do things without wearing the ring. Which... Yeah. One, I'm sorry, they would have grabbed their rings off of his staff on their way into the park. It was, the staff with their rings on it was on the way. They would have gotten Yeah, them. yeah. Um, but I also think you don't have him, you know, not have the ring that early. Um, yeah. I think the Matrix set a bad precedent for getting someone to peak condition too soon. And that not leaving them anywhere to go at from f in the sequels, but you know you could do you you could have her living, you know you could have Morgana, you know find and 
corrupt a descendant of hers so she could possess their body. Mm. So you've got one of her descendants that she possesses, and you don't have to go with, with like, what you were talking about of the, like, powerful, you know, like, the, the, because really what they're just talking about is you've got the blood of Merlin, the most powerful wizard in your, in your bloodline. Yeah. Which, there's obviously others of you out there, you just happen to be the one that shows up. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, Family trees are not a telephone pole. They are trees. <laughs> even even in certain states, they are not poles. Um, Please don't talk about states and poles right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> we've been able to we've been able to keep my mind off of it for for an hour and a half now. Let's. Oh, we'll keep going. going. Okay, um, but I think. So I think you could do the I you could do the same with her, and you don't have people would get it but not have to spell it out for them. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a way to introduce new characters and yada yada yada. But it's, um, you know, I it, to me it's the problem. You know, the problems are one like like we've talked about the you need a you need a real set of rules if you're gonna have multiple films. Um, but also you need progression. Yeah. And I think because, because Jay's character is not, we didn't, we don't give him any sort of influences, so to speak. Like he doesn't have like, you know, he, he's not into video games or he's not in the comic books or anime or something. We don't give him something like that to kind of be a part of his thought process or really delve into the sciencey stuff. Cause I, like I watched that whole battle with Morgana just thinking this could be so much more than it is. Yeah. Like I, at one point I, what I thought he was about to do and I was like, Oh, that would be pretty damn cool is I thought he was just going to start shoot through a plasma thing, catch it with one hand, slap it into his other hand, and he would just keep doing that, building one up from her own attacks, and then send yeah. it back at her. You know, doing things like that, I was like, oh, that'd be cool. You know, let's see him kind of play with things, have fun, scare her a little bit. Um, yeah. You know. Well, it also, um, we, it was interesting because this film kind of acknowledges other Disney films. Like, the fact that Jay, as a little kid, has a Buzz Lightyear uh, alarm clock. Yeah. And um, he goes into that antique shop, and I think it it is certainly... I read it as a Aladdin reference, where the first thing he sees is the lamp, lamp and he goes to rub it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you know, and I mean... It's a Disney film. We're already kind of borrowing from the past with this, you know, the Sorcerer's Apprentice, and mm-hmm. you know, I love that sequence. I love that oh, sequence yes. in this in this film. I yes. think it's, you know, it's one of the best, you know, it's one of the best ways to homage it because it's, 
he he sets it up, but then he's going to get ready for his date, and then he comes back to it, and it's just a Jay Baruchel reaction. And when he's on the stairs trying to talk to Becky, and the mops are like assaulting him, <laughs> like sexually assaulting him. <laughs> that part Again, I did. Uh, that part I bothered me because at that at that point I was just like, literally, you could just have it be noisy down there. You do, I do not need to see these mops trying to sexually assault him. I don't need that. Like, I don't need that in any movie. Not just they a Disney movie. They were just trying to movie, clean him. Any just, movie. You're reading too much into it. They are just trying to clean him. Um, touching his body without his consent, including ramming him in the ass. That, to me, is sexual assault. <laughs> We're not going to get better as a society until we just call shit what it is. <laughs> but, um, I, I feel like that could have played into, like, the final, you know, the final fight. Like, if that was part of his character, that he is this, you know, not even necessarily Disney. Because I don't know if this was, um, I thought it was funny when he's like you don't need to see my fa- my faculty ID or whatever. And, uh, you know, oh, Drake's yeah, like, the whole Star Wars these bit, are not yeah. the droids you're looking for. Like, yeah. I don't know if that was, I don't think it was they, at the time that two Disney more years owned. before they, two more years before Disney bought Star Wars at yeah. that point. So, but like, so they knew that was, <laughs> that was, they like something I means somebody wrote it in cause they're a nerd most likely, but Disney mm-hmm. approved it being in there because they knew that that was soon going to be a really funny tongue in cheek joke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, you know, maybe if, if Jay was super into movies or specifically Disney films, like maybe that's where he gets the, um, you know, the idea to use magic to, clean the place up and then it just so happens to turn out like the sorcerer's apprentice yeah. um and then you know for the final fight to be something drawn from a disney film or you know to to have an extra layer to it you know i i think would have been would have been good well but, unfortunately i don't think we have any disney movies to speak of that really offer up ideas of how to deal with ethereal creatures um yeah i mean it'd be it'd be hilarious if he tried it'd be really funny if if you had him trying things from different i mean obviously it's us we're immediately gonna go our movie characters should be as into movies as us and constantly making (laughs) pop culture references just like us yeah Uh, you know, it'd be funny if he, you know, he tried crossing his version of crossing the streams from Ghostbusters and yeah. other stuff like that. Um, you know, it would have been, it would have legitimately been fun if the movie had had budget for, you know, the having the undead army show up and then it battles a bunch of mops and brooms and buckets and stuff like that while he yeah. fights Morgana. That would have been, you know, that would have been fantastic, honestly. Yeah. Um, cause there just would have been such a, a, a silliness to it that would still 
will work for the movie. Um, this, I mean, again, this is a movie that's hurt partially by the time period that it came out in, and partially by the fact that it's a movie that feels more in love with, too in love with its own I- base idea to really expand on it. Yeah. And I think that's where the things that don't work about this movie don't work. Mm-hmm. Um, that and Palmer. And, and what? Palmer. The, the Teresa Palmer, the, the female lead. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Like, I don't... I mean, I, I gotta look and see if I've... Because I, I feel like when I saw she was in the movie, I remember thinking, oh, it's her. Like, I didn't think of it as a bad thing. So yeah. I'm wondering what movie I've seen her in that she was actually good in. Because she was not good in this, and I can't fully blame the script. Um, but there were, like, her whole talking about how she was coming with in the car... I felt like if you panned the camera two inches towards the windshield, you would have seen that script from the page dangling off the window so she could read <laughs> off of it. Um, little things like that existed all the time for me. And I, so I just, yeah. Um, so what are your final thoughts on this movie? Um, oh, I feel like we took care of most of them. Um, you know, it's a film that I can totally understand and accept and and acknowledge that it has problems. Um, I can be critical of it. I can, you know, see their critiques and critique it myself. But again, it's just a film that I, um, I just really, really enjoy. Uh, like I said, it's a, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I think a lot of that is owed to, you know, are our three leads basically uh, that I think are super charismatic and are basically just having a lot of fun with uh, with the material they're given. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean specifically Jay Baruchel and, and Nick Cage. Like I I like their chemistry together, um, and I you know I just can't can't get enough of them on screen. So um, that's that's my thoughts on on it. How about you? Is there any any, uh, anything else, you know, glaring that you need to address or, or what are your final thoughts on it? Um, for me at the end of the day, it's just, it's, yeah, it's a guilty pleasure movie that shoots itself in the old man shoe, um, (laughs) through, you know, through one issue or another, but it's, you know, if you are a Nick Cage fan, an Alfred Molina fan or a Jay, I can never remember how to pronounce his last name fan, um, you should watch it for their performance because like if, if you're a fan of any of those three actors, it's worth watching this movie to watch their performance and enjoy them in it. Cause they all give solid performances in the film. So, uh, for, for that reason alone, people want to watch it. They should, if you want to watch the movie because you're into wizard stuff or you want to watch the movie because you want to see a well-made movie or you want to see a movie that really, really has fun with the original um, Fantasia musical sequence, 
then you, you just don't bother. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, that's not where the that's not what you go to this movie for. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, with the exception of the last one on that list, it needed to to be able to have the franchise longevity that it could have. Yeah. Well, um, one more question and then we'll, we'll get off to this and and talk about something else. Um, but like, I think this is cause for me, the, the sword and sorcery genre, like has never been my, the biggest appeal to me. Um, like, you know, I can't, I'm not particularly in love with like sword and stone. Um, you know, the old, the old Disney animated film. Um, uh, you know, there's not much that I care for in the way of like Merlin and Arthur and the Knights of the round table. Mm -hmm. But like this film set in the present day, I think it does do a good job of sort of making it contemporary and, and fun for the time period. Um, I, I am struggling to find another film that does, that accomplishes the same thing. And I mean, I'm sure there are films. I know there was that film recently, uh, like the, the kid who would be King or something like that. I never saw it. Oh, but yeah, I heard fantastic things about that, but I never got a chance to see it. Oh, really? um, when I, it was I, in theaters. Um, I heard lots of praise for it. I might have to check it out then, but I mean, yeah, I don't know if, many other films that sort of make the Merlin Arthurian uh, lore contemporary and that I enjoy. Well, part of the issue is, is that if you're going into something that is fantasy based, you basically assume you're getting one of two things. You're either getting an, an Arthurian tale, whether it's (laughs) King Arthur or Merlin or, um, the Green Knight, or, or something along those lines, uh, you assume you're getting either that, or you're getting a story about good and evil, where the ultimate good and or ultimate evil are need to be found, or need to find something so that way they can do their thing. Uh, you know, you expect one of those two when you go into fantasy, uh, that's, you know, I think that's why, and I still, you know, don't hate me, but I still have to sit down and watch it, but I think that's why Onward resonated so much with people, is it was fantasy, yeah. it was at least semi-modern, yeah, modernized, and it's really not, it's not about a King Arthur-style tale, and it's not about good versus evil with, like, the ultimate of one of those, um... So it's fantasy, but with a different plot. Uh, I think that's why a lot of people initially fell in love with Game of Thrones, but as time went on, it was very clear that all Game of Thrones was, was that good versus evil story. The problem is, is it's evil versus too stupid to do evil correctly. Um... Because there's literally, there's like three good characters in that. Like, yeah. n- sincerely good people, not good as an enjoyable, because there's only w- maybe one. But there's, <laughs> yeah, there's almost no characters who are good people in it, and um, none of them are given 
the attention that you that you would to balance everything out. Um, yeah, but, onward is actually a pretty good uh, um, pull or, or or whatever. It's it's um, I hadn't really thought about that one, but that kind of that kind of does play into what I was asking. Um, but yeah, uh, you you had said that you there was some news you maybe wanted to talk about. Yeah, and as we as we talk about, it, I'm I'm gonna look up. Um, as we talk about, it, I'm gonna look on look up online. Um, thanks to my my good friend Letterboxd, see if there's any, been any fantasy movies out in the past <laughs> decade or so that are worth um, recalling. Gotcha. Um, and that that's not going to include movies that they have on like. Just got to take a sidebar on this. Letterbox D, sorry to bother you, is listed as fantasy. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> Give fuck yourself. <laughs> um, anyway, um, obviously, one of the things we feel should be mentioned is, um, is of course, the passing of Sean Connery. Uh, the original James Bond, the Oscar winner for The Untouchables. Uh, I mean, every, everyone knows who Sean Connery is. Everyone knows who Sean Connery is. Everyone has a performance that they love in him, loved him in. Everyone has an impression that they do of him, whether it's good or bad. Um, it's just part of the world as it is right now. Um yeah. So, you know, I was very sad to hear, I believe he was 90 when he passed away. Um, he'd been in retirement for a long, long time, living, I think, either, I, I know these are drastically different in a lot of ways, but either either in, like, Hawaii or, like, the Scottish Isles, he was living on an island somewhere basically just living in, like, peace and quiet. Yeah. Um, but obviously it's, you know, it's a, a sad to see, um, see 2020 continue to, to take, um, talent away from us, even if that talent was not currently doing anything. But, yeah, I mean... I, I think it's safe to say that everyone has at least one Sean Connery Bond film in their top five favorite James Bond films of all time. Oh, yeah. Um, if For anyone who has a list like that. I mean, I know for myself, From Russia With Love is always going to be my favorite James Bond film. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, there's moments in his run as Bond that are just ingrained in my memory. I remember I was I was sitting in the living room, um, and we have we have Pluto on the TV, so I turned it on, and it was it happened to be uh, a James Bond film. I, I'm not even quite sure which one it is, but um, when he's dancing with the girl, and he realizes that there's assassins around him, so he like turns her, and then she gets shot in the back, and he lays her down in the chair, and he's like, "Oh, she just died, or she's just dead, or something like you know," and like, and I said it as he said it, like, almost involuntarily. Like, it is 
him him as Bond, so many of his moments are just like seared into my mind. Yeah. I'm gonna say um, I'm gonna say right now that that was you only live twice with the with the strong possibility that I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm not even taking a stab, so um, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> if if it's if it's not that one, my second guess would be Diamonds Are Forever. I mean, I am. Um, I I'd say that I'm most familiar, you know, with him as Bond. Uh, you know, I've I've seen other films from him certainly, but that is the the character that you know I tie most closely with him, as I'm sure most people do. Everyone either quotes I. The reality is that everyone either quotes him as James Bond, um, his character in The Rock, mm-hmm. or literally one other that's... Uh, Indiana Jones' dad. Oh yeah, there's that one too. No, <laughs> so there's, a, there's a fourth one now that I've completely spaced on. He had... Oh wow... Yeah, I need more sleep in my life. <laughs> I can't keep a list of three things in my head anymore. It's hard. Yeah. Uh, that's going to bother me for a while. But it a phenomenal career. Oh, Highlander. There we go. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or or is Highlander. Um Yeah. Okay. I feel better now. <laughs> so yeah, um, to you know, to his friends and family, we we hope that the, um, that that his passing and your healing can be peaceful, and that um, that comfort is is in the days ahead for you guys. Yeah, um, I mean, it's. If it's any consolation, you know, him him being retired and having such a long and storied career is, you know, what to t- what's to take away from this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he's an actor who has been involved in so many incredible projects and, you know, he has accolades and was recognized for his work in his life. Um you know, it, not to compare tragedies, but, you know, this isn't like losing um, Chadwick Boseman necessarily. Like this, you know, this can be more of a celebration and a, or, you know, celebrating his life and work. Yeah. Um, and realizing that he, you know, he did make it to 90. That is, that is quite an achievement. Um, it doesn't necessarily make the loss any easier, but, um, you know, I think it's something to take into consideration. There's, there's a point and it's, it's different with each person, both in when that point is and when they think that point is for others where death is just the next part of the journey. Um, not that, not that they at that point just need to roll over and die. Not, not that by any stretch of the imagination. Um, 
but they but at a certain point um it, when they pass it is a, a far better ex- it is a far more cathartic experience to have them pass away for their loved ones yeah um you know i the 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 energy the the difference of energy between when my great grandmother passed away at an old age and when my my aunt passed away at a young age um those those wakes were were very different yeah um you know the the one with my great grandmother y- y- you could literally be forgiven for forgetting there was a dead body in the room. Yeah. Because people were so chatty, so happy. Um, all of her grandkids were, were standing around laughing about, you know, which, you know, what, oh, I made sure she had the old sugar packet up the sleeve. Oh, I made sure she had the tissue down the bra. Like, <laughs> They were all like talking about which thing that that she always had that they that they each made sure she was going into the afterlife with and, and having a laugh at it. Um, yeah. Whereas it wasn't necessarily that way for everyone. Um, yeah. Understandably, and with my aunt's funeral, it was. You know, we were all much more. We were all a lot more quiet. We were a lot more. Um, yeah, just kind more. of living in what was happening unexpectedly and unfortunately. Yeah, that's that's certainly a more somber um, occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, but to yeah. to to re- to retreat from this because we don't want things to be to be a super downer. Um, I I did find one other good fantasy movie set in the modern times that is not uh, beholden to things that. Uh, people should check out, and I should have known this one because I always talk about this movie. But it's Dave Made a Maze. Okay. Um, you know, Dave Made a Maze, a f- phenomenal movie. Talked about it on the show so many times. Um, and uh, yeah, it's definitely if you like fantasy movies, but you like you like to see stuff that breaks from the norm, that's one to check out. Uh, I know it was on Hulu. I'm not sure if it's still on Hulu currently. Um, but honestly, if it isn't, you know, it's, a, it's it's an indie darling that includes one of the guys from OK Go. Give it a little bit of money. <laughs> Send a little bit of money its way. Um, be supportive. Um, it's just nice to do that, you know? Um Anyway, uh, the last thing I, I wanted to, to talk about real quick, and this is, I mean, this is just, it's petty. I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna warn you guys right now. You're indulging yourself. I'm gonna warn you guys. This is self indulgent pettiness. Um, but we've had, we have, um, it was announced today that the head writer for the Tonight Show is exiting ahead of uh, 2021. I believe the showrunner that just got promoted six or seven months ago is leaving, uh, and one or two other producers. I think the majority of them are women, which is, to me, screams that there's something going on back, backstage. Um, 
But really, I just like the idea of people saying we're done working on this shit show and leaving. Uh, especially as we have to find out that the show's gotten a, a renewal. Um, like he's extended his contract with with NBC. Because um, I fucking hate Jimmy Fallon. Uh, I, hate, I hated him on SNL. I've never thought The Tonight Show under his set was any good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, to, it's, he's not good at interview. He's not good at any, doing anything on the show because he wants everything to be about him. Um, Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> well, no, like think about like, it kind of got, it, it got brought up back up to a certain extent when, uh, the video of people, doing the whole talking to what they just thought was a poster for Black Panther. You know, people would be talking to what yeah. they thought was just a poster of Black Panther, and then Chadwick Boseman would come come out. Yeah. Each time he came out, Fallon follows him out and makes sure that they know he's there, too. Like, they're going to freak out just as much for him. Um, and he did, the same, he did the same thing with Michelle Obama when they did it with her. Um, yeah. You know, his, like, every single bit has to include him, at equal parts or more so than the guest. Yeah. Um, but no, the, the one that was so much, so telling to me of what his personality is, and just his, his inability to do give and take, is if you go on YouTube, you can watch a video that he put up, and it's a split screen of him listening to Weird Al Yankovic's The Hamilton Polka for the first time. And Lin Manuel Miranda listening to it for the first time. Yeah, Lin Manuel Miranda is clearly holding back sobs of joy because, like me, he's a huge Weird Al fan, and so I can't even imagine what the feeling is for him to be listening to it. Uh, yeah, but he's laughing. He's amazed at some of the stuff he's hearing. He's silently cheering on, but the point is, he is silently enjoying the music and making sure he is hearing it. <clears throat> Jimmy Fallon is trying to sing along. He's trying to, you know, he's claim he's claiming that he knew something was going, you know, at one point he's like, oh, I know he was going to do that. Like, he won't shut up, and he's not really listening to the music. <laughs> and, like, that tells me, every, like, that tells you everything you need to know about him. He is, like, there is a reason that when he was about to start the show, I think it was Time Magazine flat out was like, yeah, the majority of the people that you were with on SNL do not think you will be good at this job. What do you think about that? <laughs> and, it's, and it's like, it's true though. Like, when he started on SNL, the fact that he laughed in almost every single sketch was almost it was sort of endearing. Like it seemed like, oh, this kid who's like gotten this big break out of nowhere, who just seemed like he seems to be trying to like wrap around his head. The the you know he's up here singing and dancing with freaking Christopher Walken, stuff like yeah. that. But by the end of his time at SNL, he was still doing it, and it was clear he was doing it because it got him attention. Yeah. He was making the show about him by constantly breaking character. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... 
at this point, he is the only, like, he's, he's just, I can't stand him, I can't stand James Corden, I can't stand Seth Meyers, I think they're all terrible at what they do, um, I lost the, I lost a lot of respect for Jimmy Kimmel, uh, wanting to actually have Kanye on this week, uh, like, I love that Kanye canceled out of shame, though, of losing, that's, that, that I love, that's fantastic, um, I want Craig Ferguson back. Yeah. Like, we need Craig Ferguson back. Yeah, for sure. He was he was always, quite honestly, apologetic for the fact that you were having to watch him, and I love that. Alright, well, there we go. That was my indulging in my, my petty, my, my petty dislike of someone. Did you, um, you get it all out of your system? I feel good, at least for the time being. I can do the rest on my own. Um, I, and if I, if I get any other like short bursts, I'll just, just say it to myself at some point. <laughs> well, if, uh, if the show isn't running too long in the tooth, I, I do have to, uh, talk about something I watched this week. Oh, okay. Go um, for it. that you, that you've watched before and, uh, <laughs> if you... I'm sure we, I'm sure we had very, uh, very similar reactions um was it was it um could it could it possibly have been that you finally watched war from black no fuck you go ahead tell me what you watched hello uh i can you hear me yep oh we're getting okay. a poor connection more gotcha um i finally watched coco this week oh and, um... How are you feeling? Uh, um... I don't know how much I could talk about it or I'm gonna start fucking crying again. Um... And I can't even say that you didn't accurately prepare me. Because you, you, I, you've said this multiple times. That you held your daughter and cried. You know, while... Sobbing hysterically. Yeah, yeah, sobbing hysterically. So while I watched Coco with my son on my lap and um, Miguel begins to sing uh, Remember Me to Grandma Coco, uh, I was sobbing hysterically. I was like lip quivering, like clutching my son, like for dear life. It, uh, fuck you, Pixar. <laughs> fuck you. You're not allowed to do that to me twice. Because Pixar fucking ruined me with Onward. And it was almost as bad with Coco. And, um, yeah, holy shit. And, uh, <laughs> I knew, I knew it was going to happen. I, I, I was ready for it. I'm like, all right, let it let it happen i know i i based on how you had talked about the film and based on some of the i had known enough about the film that i kind of pieced together what was happening before it happened um so i knew where we were headed before we got there but holy shit it didn't make it any 
fucking easier. Yeah, see, I didn't, I didn't, I, um, I didn't know when I saw the movie. So when they're in the like prison pit thing, yeah. when when they're down there, and he's ex- and that and that's the point that he's explaining like if I you know. If my daughter forgets me, I'll disappear and I'll never get to see her. When he's giving that explanation mm-hmm. of essentially what the rest of the movie is going to be about, yeah, that's when I started sobbing, and I didn't stop <laughs> until the movie was over. <laughs> but I was also, st- I like you're watching this movie with like a three year old, yeah. I was watching the movie with my six month old that I was, you know still, like, I, you know, I'd loved her and all that sort of, but I was still, like, getting the feel of being a father and trying to, like, get confident that I was doing a good job at it. Yeah. Having depression and being unemployed while having yeah. a child. Um, <laughs> so, I like, literally, the the odds were fucked against me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that was... Someone should have warned you. Someone, someone in close to you should have said, "You know, Tom, this isn't the best time for you to watch this film." <laughs> the oh, the fu- the funny thing now is that if I turn that movie on, my wife will look at me and either go, "Are you okay?" or <laughs> or she'll smile and go, "What? You need a good cry?" <laughs> like loving, supportive, significant others do. Yeah, of course, of course. Smirk and tease you about if you're gonna cry. Um, <laughs> oh, there's no. there's movies that you know when I watch with someone, you know, be it my girlfriend or, or my sister or Theo, like they some of the times they'll know, or I'll I'll give them a warning. And you've you've said you do the same for your for yeah. your wife at least at least like, three times in theaters. I've given <laughs> I've given a heads up about impending tears. Yeah, when 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 Kermit sings Rainbow Connection, mm. when when Sam has to leave the island, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's those ones, and when John says "Welcome to Jurassic Park" for the first time, mm. <laughs> those those were the three. I didn't yeah. cry cry with Jurassic Park, but there was definitely a tear of this movie from my childhood. I'm finally watching it on the big screen. Listen to that music. Look at this on the big screen. Holy shit! This visual, these visual effects still hold up. Oh my yeah. god, this is awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, we we want it, and it's uh, again kind of like Onward. Um, I liked Onward. I feel like my emotional response to Onward was more significant than my actual enjoyment of the film. Um, and I kind of feel similarly with Coco, um, although I think Coco is the better film of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, there there are, I think it's, I think there are parts of the film that kind of fall apart if you think about them too much. Um, the fact that, you know, um, the, the, the grandfather and the famous musician have, you know, you know, been in the, the, I don't know what I'm supposed to call it. 
uh, been in the in the afterlife together, but have never confronted one another. And he's known for being the guy who chokes on chorizo, but apparently it's never gotten back to his wife that that's why he didn't come home. And they have never, like, they've seemingly interacted, but maybe not. And well, well the sto- I mean, the the at. The story is that he died choking on, you know, choking on some food. Yeah. Um, it still lives within the realm of you abandon the family to go on the road. You just had something really stupid happen to you. Mm. And you died gotcha. as a result of it. It doesn't change him getting poisoned. Like, him getting poisoned, of course, he doesn't realize it until this movie because, you know, he's been kept at arm's length very for that reason. In part, yeah. at least. Um, but it's... But, yeah, the 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 poisoning changes the narrative because the poisoning is about him saying, I'm done. I want to go back to, you know, I want to go back to my family. This has been going on, you know, this has gone from, you know, just a little thing that we're doing, you know, to help pay money to I'm going to have to practically abandon my family and I'm not doing that, so I'm out. Yeah, I got you. I can, I can, I can buy that. Um, it was, it was just a couple things like that, and um, I don't know. I kind of, I maybe looked into a little, like if if the musician can have films and and physical objects in the you know in the afterlife, then why can't other people and why, why then couldn't the grandfather have seen the film as well and maybe put two and two together and, you know, again, it didn't detract much from my enjoyment of the film. It was just, if I was to nitpick, that would be what I would maybe pick up. Well, I can tell you, um, when I remember pretty much every single time somebody passed away when I, when I lived in Los Angeles who had a, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, um, a wreath would get put up and people would leave stuff. I remember when George Carlin passed away because I had to pass, I passed his star daily because it was on my way to work. His entire catalog in DVD and CD was left by that star. Yeah. Now, first and foremost, it should be said to the credit of um, to how respectful the people of Los Angeles are. Uh, none of that stuff was ever stolen. Yeah. But so it's feasible for him to have those movies because people would leave them for him at his, mm. you know, at his grave and things of that nature. Um, because it was, it's a way of reflecting, you know, this is something that you did that mattered to me, or this is what I remember you for most. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense for him to have those movies, you know, unless he, in, and I'm sure there might've been one or two people in the afterlife that had his movies because somebody left them because they were huge fans. But, um, but yeah, we we're also talking about, uh, how many people you remember you was like social status currency in this world. Yeah. So there, I mean, there was, you know, he, he had the, the, the grandfather had to live among, lived amongst those who nobody remembered. Yeah. Therefore, nobody would leave them anything. 
Um, yeah. So it's not surprising that if even if everyone up there had a copy of the movie, he wouldn't have seen it. Yeah. I, all right, I could buy that. Um, but yeah, was there anything that you watched this week that you'd like to talk about? Anything that made, made you cry? Um, some tears of joy because Reno Nine One One is on um, HBO Max. Um, oh, nice! That's a the, cop, that's a cop the, show I can get behind. The ones they produced for Quibi or the old show? No, no, um, no. The ones that were produced by Quibi will probably die and disappear with Quibi because Quibi, <sighs> nobody, yeah, nobody has any use for twelve minute episode, you know, twelve minute or less episodes <laughs> of of TV shows except for Cartoon Network. Um, but who knows? I'm sure. I'm sure at some point in an effort to recoup some losses. They'll probably be selling off the the Quibi library. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really hopeful that they that they sell Slugfest because Kevin Smith talking about a comprehensive DC versus Marvel, um, you know how the sausage is made. Peek behind the curtain um, between those two studios and and the crazy shit that they did, the escalation in you know comic events and things like that, that, to, to kind of one up each other, um, narrated by Kevin Smith and produced by the Russo brothers seems mm-hmm. really, really fucking cool. And if it's lost forever because Quibi, you know, got sunk, that would be, that'd be tragic. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's at least a few things that people will buy. And I wouldn't be shocked if the Russo brothers or Kevin Smith himself, if one of them like went to Katzenberg and said, look, I'll buy the show off of you. So oh, that yeah. way I can, like so that way I can distribute it or 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 at least have even if I just buy it from you for personal use and then they you know make sure the f- wording is fuzzy in the contract and start selling leaked copies or something. Um, yeah, but the Russo brothers got MCU money. They can they can throw it around a little bit. <laughs> yeah, hey, they can use it to bring happy endings back. God damn it. Um, but yeah, no, I mainly just want to find out how they, uh, explain, um, Garcia and Clementine back to life on Reno 911. Cause they, they came back too, along with everyone else, including the new recruits from after their characters got killed off. Oh, okay. So I want to know how they explain them as being alive after we yeah. killed them off. Um, it's one of the things that I think people forget so often about the show is the last, in the last season, we come back finding out that when the parade float exploded, Garcia and Johnson got trapped inside and died (laughs) because the, because the two actors decided to leave the show. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I've been enjoying that. Um, they finally made the whole fourth season of last week tonight with John Oliver available for purchase on Amazon Prime, so I bought that. Nice. Um, I need to figure out how to turn stuff that I have digital copies of, see if there's a way I can put them onto like DVDs or Blu-rays, so that way if at any point Adam, Amazon decides they don't want to pay for licensing for those anymore, I don't lose these $25 seasons that I've bought yeah. of the, the first six years of that show. Yeah. That's, that, I mean, that's a good chunk of change to have basically long-term rented the show. <laughs> yeah. And I want I want to keep the show for posterity's sake, 
I want my I want to be able to show to my to my daughter in the future and go, yeah, this is a fu this is why your parents were stressed out and occasionally snapped at you when you were a toddler, because this stuff was going on. <laughs> yeah, no, show. I think we we can justify it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, with that being said, guys, um, I think we have uh, made our way to the end of. What turned out to be a slightly larger episode than normal. <laughs> yeah. Um, not there's anything wrong with that. If you listened the whole way through, thank you so much. If you didn't, uh, that's fine. We understand you're not listening anyway. Um, so really, we could say whatever we think about you not finishing the episode and you wouldn't know. But we'll say it's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, if you guys... Um, you know, if you guys want to keep listening to, to other episodes, please uh, scroll through. We've got 50 other episodes that you can listen to and enjoy Ooh. from here, um, including including some some of our personal favorites, like when we discussed movies like Hereditary, covered our ranking of the entire MCU and other things like that. Uh, so you can watch any, you can li listen to any of those episodes on Spotify, Apple podcasts or wherever else you might be listening to this show right now uh, starship can... troopers is still one of my favorites oh yes that's also a good one we, we were particularly funny that episode oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, not, you know not to sound self-indulgent but i i think we had a lot of good laughs on that episode i might have to uh, at some point i need to listen to a couple of our episodes and see if i can learn what not to do a little bit more from them um now, if uh, you guys want... This, this is what not to do. <laughs> the rambling that we do at the end. <laughs> uh, if you guys want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Movies Work to follow us on Twitter. If you guys want to send us an email, including one about all the reasons why we need to stop rambling in our episodes, you can do that at MoviesAfterWork at gmail.com. Uh, with that being said... Uh, Guys, regardless of what happens with the election, make sure that you are continuing your social distancing, your mask wearing, and all other precautions that are needed to make sure that we are all staying safe and healthy during these troubling times. Yep. Um, next time we talk to you guys, we will hopefully, at the very least, be past all these election blues and stressors, but we will see. Yeah. <laughs> Only a matter of time. Yes. Because there is always at least some of that around. Uh, but with that being said, guys, I am Thomas Green. And I'm Alex Dewis. Alright, guys, be safe. Have a good day, and have a good day at work. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye.